Hello, folks. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast series on the topic of organizational behavior. My name is Dr. Jim Luby, and I'm looking forward to sharing some of the key topics associated with this subject known as organizational behavior, or you may hear me refer to it as OB throughout my discussion. First, let me thank you for taking the time to listen to the topics that I will discuss, and I can assure you one thing you will be able to better understand the topics some of the challenges associated with the topics, and the overall impact that organizational behavior actually has on our lives. In this series of podcasts, we will focus on a few things. First, what are the elements within OB, or organizational behavior? Next, how do, we el- how do the elements impact everything we do? Next, how are we impacted by real-world applications, and how do we prepare ourselves for success, right? It's really focusing on our overall organizational behavior. We will then discuss what are some of the challenges we face when working together. And I'll even go into a little detail about the recent pandemic and how it's impacted us. And then in our last podcast, I'll discuss how this course really sets the stage for your remaining coursework and especially how to use organizational behavior knowledge to help improve working together with others, obviously in our professional lives, but also in our personal lives. You will see that many of the tools we discuss are applicable in our personal lives as well. So let me begin with kind of defining what exactly do we mean by organizational behavior? Basically, OB, it's a field of study that truly takes a look at how individuals Groups and teams, and I will cover that later on, there is a difference between groups and teams, and our overall organizational structures, how all this impacts the behavior within an organization. Now, why would we want to learn about these impacts? Really simple, folks. We want to understand how do we apply such knowledge towards truly improving an organization's effectiveness, and we also want to focus on how we can improve our own personal overall interactions and engagement within the organization. Remember, we have to work day in, day out at our jobs. And typically, you know, unless you're an individual contributor, we will engage with others. So why not truly understand how are we impacted? How do we impact others? That's really what it's about in OB. There are several different words in our OB definition that I just went through. So let's break down some of the key topics within the study of organizational behavior. First, a significant focus would be on how do we work within what we call the human element. I know in many of our jobs, we may work as an individual contributor and or work just with machinery, equipment, and so on. But at some point, we are interacting with others. Excuse me. We all communicate, but how effective is our communication? And there truly is an art to the science of communication. Have we ever come across a situation, perhaps, where the communication was misunderstood? Think about that for a moment. Have you ever misunderstood someone, or has someone ever misunderstood you? Well, there really is a science to the art of communication, and we will go through all that. What are the ramifications, possibly, of miscommunication? Next up, then, we will focus on some of the uh, leadership aspects of organizational behavior. 
And as you can see, we're starting to broaden where OB covers and what it covers. So think about this. We all have our views on what a leader is, but at its very foundation, I want you to think about this. Leaders take us to places we wouldn't ordinarily go. Now, you may pause and say, now, what does he mean by that? Well, if, if you really reflect back on those words, if we would ordinarily go and do things on our own, do we really need leadership guidance? Perhaps, perhaps not. And when we get into discussing about teams and people on teams and such, we'll talk about maturity levels and such in the course. And you'll see that there is less reliance on management, leadership, and so on. So next thing that we really want to talk about is how do our leaders help us manage workforce diversity? Basically, when you think of diversity, and I know we all have different definitions and such of it, but diversity is what we all bring to the table each and every day. That includes some of the more traditional elements, right? Our cultural backgrounds, religious backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, and so on. But what about our experiences? What about how we've engaged with others? All that forms the package that makes us up, and that's what we bring to the table each and every day. Now, if you think about others and how they've grown and how they've been impacted, when we all come together, can you see some potential issues coming up? Well, of course you can, because we're dealing, like I said earlier, with the human element. Next, I want you to think about our decision-making processes. Most of us will say, well, yeah, I can make decisions. That's not an issue at all. But it's as simple as just making decisions based on our knowledge and experience, or does it go further than that? How will our decision impact others on the team, within the organization, within the company, in our personal lives? How do our decisions impact our families, our friends, and so on? We want to know what kind of processes we can use to make effective both individual and group decisions. We all work sometimes, and I might say most of us work with others, so we may be in a group setting. Should we focus our decision-making process on the majority rule, or should we now learn how to go make and, and stick with consensus-based decisions. There is clearly a difference between majority decision rules and consensus-based decision, and that's what we'll talk about in the course as well. Think about why one may be a better approach over another. Depends on the situation. There's never a hard and fast rule that says this is the best approach. There's always a discussion and determination as to what does this situation yield in terms of a better approach? So this whole study of organizational behavior does focus on decision-making so we can make the best possible decisions for everyone involved in the process. Now, when we engage with others in work and even in our personal relationships, does the interaction ever evolve into conflict? Of course it does. And let me pause there for a moment. When we think about conflict, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Even though when we hear the word conflict, people will say, oh, that's bad because we can uh, induce an environment that we don't want to be part of and so on. It's not a bad thing. The key within the study of organizational behavior is to recognize that there are different elements of conflict. Basically, a conflict at its very foundation is we have a difference of opinion on how we want to do things, how we assess something, and so on. 
So when we think about types of conflict, you'll see the three primary types of conflict. Conflict in the process. What does the overall process yield? And are we in line with the process? If we have differing opinions, we have conflict process. Then we can break it down to individual tasks. Do I do something different, utilize different tools or methodologies than you do? If we disagree on the approach in terms of which is better, we will have conflict there. And then it's the one we're probably all used to, this called relational conflict. We have different beliefs, different opinions, and so on. That could result in relational conflict. And remember, not just in our professional lives, but in our personal lives. So we need to focus on how do we work to resolve the conflict? Why would we want to resolve it? It's pretty safe to say that conflict left unresolved will not typically make the issue go away. It's not like a fine wine. It definitely does not get better with age. And arguably, if you let it simmer, it will continue to grow because then the issues are truly piled on. You know, the next conflict or next difference of opinion is exacerbated by our conflict, whether it was relational, process, or task. So think about that. Organizational behavior then will also focus on better understanding groups and teams. Now, I made mention, did you know that groups and teams are actually not the same thing? We may use the terms interchangeably, but they're really not the same thing. Groups within an organization are basically determined by the organizational structure, right? So define whether you have functional groups, uh, matrix groups, and teams, and so on. That's an issue, right? It could be an issue depending on how it's defined. But teams will take the concept of groups and people working together much further. How do we do that? By understanding how each of us can impact our work environment and then determining how do we need to rely on each other for the entire team to be successful. I like using sports analogies. If no, let's assume you hit a home run every time you go up in the World Series, but the rest of us are hitless, uh, we cause errors. You may be a superstar in that World Series, but we lost because as a team, we collectively did not do everything we needed to do. It's, it truly is safe to say we rely on each other for the team to be successful. Now, teams themselves, they're formalized. They don't just come together as a group, but they do, in fact, grow and mature. And in the study of organizational behavior, we find models associated with maturity levels. Basically, the most mature teams typically operate with things like minimal leadership. And why do we want that? So that they can run the business within the business. This is a term I truly enjoy using because if you can sit back and visualize this, if the entire team knows what's expected of them, they have the resources necessary to conduct their work and so on, you really don't need management or leadership support unless there's an issue. Now, that goes beyond the normal traditional, you know, attendance and pay and performance reviews and so on. But the day-to-day -day interaction is truly the team. And I, for one, really, that it appeals to me because I know what I need to do. And I like working that way. And I would think you all would too. So think about that. Doesn't it really sound like an ideal work environment? Okay, then finally, how does organizational behavior stimulate change and innovation? When we think about change in general, 
it is also safe to assume that not everyone works through change processes in the same manner. We all look at it differently. Some of us will fight change, while others openly embrace change because it's something different each and every day. From a personal aspect and a notation there, years and years ago, I was a status quo type of guy. I liked coming in, knowing what I had to do every day. I didn't care for change, and I was happy. Did my work, did a good job, and collected my check. Then when I got involved into a major change process at my job, I flipped the switch and absolutely loved change. To this day, I enjoy change and doing something different each and every day. Now, when you think about change, I want you to visualize your workplace, the teams you work with, the people you work with. Do you potentially have generational differences that can impact how we accept and work with change? You know, some will say, well, this generation is very accepting and comfortable with change, while another generation may say, no, I'm kind of set in my ways and I don't like change every day because I'm comfortable knowing what's expected of me and what I need to do. So organizational behavior does help us work through the change for the good of both the individual as well as the organization. All right, so as we wind down now in our first podcast, are you surprised at how much organizational behavior covers? Personally, I really enjoy this topic for several reasons. But at the end of the day, OB does impact both our professional and personal lives. And as you go through the topic, you'll soon realize that. This wide-ranging and diverse subject can help prepare us for our professional careers and our growth within those careers and also help our personal relationships. I've had learners over time tell me, you know, I applied those tools and models of conflict at home and they worked. I said, that's wonderful because I truly believe that as well. The tools can help in both situations. No kidding, really, try it one day once we go through it. I think you'll see that I'm saying what I'm saying is correct. So when we think about our daily interactions, don't we communicate each and every day? How you Have you ever come across times when you were misunderstood, someone didn't catch it, and so on? How about dealing with personal change or conflict? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were well-versed in the OB concepts that deal with conflict resolution so that we can effectively work through those situations? Remember this, the tools and concepts contained within the study of organizational behavior can absolutely help us. It's applicable in our daily lives, and it's also an excellent topic to help us through our graduate studies as well. I call it a foundational element. So at this time, I want to thank you all for listening to the first podcast on organizational behavior. In the next podcast, I'll go a bit further to tie in some of the more current events and situations we face each and every day. What we can do to increase our performance and motivation, how to work better with others, and so on. Really, the bottom line is this. We want to better understand our professional challenges and how we can apply robust organizational behavior concepts to improve the work environment. And remember, each and every one of us are part and parcel of that environment. So again, thank you for your time, and I hope you will continue to engage in my discussions in my future podcasts. In the meantime, be safe and enjoy.